Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made? From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. SNL did uh they did the podcast awards I think last year I thought that oh, was like yeah. a pivotal moment for podcasts where it had reached Acceptance. a point where <laughs> yeah it was an SNL sketch. yeah they're being parodied yeah yeah Lauren's like oh we should do something about podcasts like, podcasts are hot <laughs> red hot right now red hot <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I listen to NPR and I'm like well it's not really a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's a radio station. <laughs> I was thinking about your your famous Lauren Michaels serial killer imitation because I was in yeah. the bookstore <laughs> and the BTK killer's daughter wrote a book. Oh my god. Called like Raised by a Serial Killer. Uh-huh. And apparently they used her DNA to uh, to, to get find him. him. Oh yeah. And he... I was holding this bookstore and I'm laughing and <laughs> I, I should have looked around because Somebody in the bookstore would be like, why is this dude laughing at a serial killer He's nonfiction like, yeah. book? He's like, he did it wrong. <laughs> no, you know how they got him apparently was the his computer. He 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 had a he put a you know, he wrote like taunting letters to the cops. Oh, he did And then them? like one of no, one of his letters he put it on a disc. Ah, uh, big mistake. And then they did they the guys just put it on the disc and they go, Well, and I think the cops even were like well, he wouldn't be stupid enough to like leave like the you know like on your computer like when you register on your computer you have to put your name and address. Yeah. And, and he did, and it was like they just went right to his house, and he was like, "Ah, shit." <laughs> they always get caught by stupid. the dumbest ways. <laughs> I w- I wish that's what Dennis Rader did. Yeah, when they caught him, he just went, "Ah, shit." <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, it was me. It was me. Ah, fuck. All right. Where do I go? You put the cuffs on me? Who puts the cuffs on me? <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> Just like, really, dude? <laughs> yeah, that, I was watching the Ted Bundy four-parter. And oh, one, yeah. one time he got caught because he did like an illegal U-turn or something. Yeah. And the cop noticed and just started following him. And Bundy was like, God damn it. Yeah. Bundy in the car. Oh, no, Bundy was, was so like, but just how, like, that he escaped from Colorado like twice. 
He he was a three escape serial yeah. killer. Yeah. And then he would go, he would escape and immediately kill somebody. Right. And then they would, when they're figuring that out, he had killed somebody else. Yeah, it was just, it was such a, that is such a disturbing thing. And then he blamed it all on pornography. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like an easy scapegoat. 40, I was, I actually watched that with Nephew Kyle over there. We watched all four parts. We were in Sundance. I couldn't watch that with somebody. <laughs> we, 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 There's no we're way I could sit it with, with somebody and watch like, hey man, Sunday. <laughs> But last night was a rager, man. What if we watch this Bundy thing? It was more we couldn't move and we needed something. <laughs> the altitude and being hungover, I we couldn't. Hated just I'm like, old. How he couldn't. Yeah, the whole thing where the guy got him to talk about himself. If you talk about himself in the third person, and it was yeah. weird. Because I'm like, I know actors like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you can only get to the truth of them if they talk about themselves in the third person. It's like we're not talking about me, uh, but no, I, I those like that's this, I like a lot of true crime stuff, but I always like kind of like the Fargo like dumb criminals or like yeah. there's a show called Snapped about women who kill their husbands that I really like. Um, Snapped, yeah. And every what channel episode, is that? It's on? on Oxygen. Oxygen has great, great. That has one with Ice T called In Ice Cold Blood. Ice tea host, that's fucking great. Ice tea hosts a show called In Cold Blood. In Ice Cold Blood. Ice Cold Blood. <laughs> and at one point, he goes, at one of them, he goes, he said, uh, I just flipped it on. And right when I flipped it on, he goes, A lot of cases have a smoking gun. Well, this one had a smoking sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, Yes. <laughs> This is what I'm watching for the next eight hours. What, yeah. How improbable would it have been 30 years ago that Ice T was hosting a true crime series on Oprah's now, cable channel? On Oprah's, yeah, like Ox. No, it's headline. One of them has very scary people with Donnie Wahlberg, which is like all those guys are doing because those things. There's a huge. Everyone watches them. They're huge. Yeah, the Washington Post last week had this really negative article about Netflix oh, and yeah. about how they're t exploiting the true crime thing and all oh, these yeah, murder yeah. things. And I'm like, why Netflix? It's everybody. Yeah, Who's that? Go it. look it's at the podcast going, charts. It's also been going on since the beginning of time. Oh, like, fuck like, yeah. Like, yeah, people, it's always funny when, yeah, like the, it, it's dis disturbing, but it's true. And I, I have a hard time with, a lot of the kind of like Ted Bundy ones. I mean, we're joking about it, but I think it's probably because it makes me so nervous and I think it's so awful, you know, like guys, you know, what he did was so terrible and kind of like how, you know, we, we kind of make them these kind of like characters, these kind of weird fucked up folk heroes. But then when you look back on it, that's been going on for like ever. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like in a world where, like a perfect world, you would never know who Ted Bundy was. You would just know who his victims were. And you would just be like, these very nice people are no longer with us because of this, some asshole. Right. Do you know what I mean? But for some reason, we as like a collective culture are like, I want to know about that asshole. I want to like, you know what I mean? And it's fucking weird. I don't know what it is, but that's as. That's, Do you remember the HBO used to have a show in the nineties? But it was like an autopsy show. Oh yeah, it was with Doctor Doctor Bader. Yeah, that guy was. Great. He, he was like a know-it-all autopsy doctor. Yeah, he's he very mustache. a lot of swagger. Yeah, he's like the maggots. I uh, know a lot about maggots. I can tell you that. Like you <laughs> right. would go on and on about like just kind of riffing on. Like it was the you could tell the 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 filmmakers were like the first captive audience he had ever had in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Never talked to a human for more than 10 minutes <laughs> without someone going, "I don't want to hear about what you do." <laughs> 
that was his whole life. And now it's like, oh, these people haven't stopped me yet. This yeah. is insane. And they did yeah. like 10, 10, yeah. 10 of those documentaries. Tell us, tell us more about the skin under the finger, fingernails, <laughs> Dr. Bader. And he's like, you want to hear about this? Well, yeah, oh, most people uh, excuse themselves and don't come back. But I love that show so much. Yeah. They, I, didn't, they really didn't have that many of them. Anytime it was on, yeah. I was into it. Yeah, then the... The Iceman Chronicles was another one. That guy. Uh, well, I'm a little older than you. I grew up. Quincy was oh, yeah. a show about a yeah. coroner slash. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a detective. Yeah, like he, yeah. But he's moonlighting as a detective. Jack yeah. Hogman. See, it's kind of amazing that show happened. I love that stuff. It was his follow-up to The Odd Couple. He's like, what's next, Jack Hogman? He's, he's like, like uh, coroner. He's like, I want to play a coroner. <laughs> Tony Randall's like, oh, I want to play a coroner. <laughs> well, I'm going to put, Tony's going to do it. I'm going to do it first. He was just berating everybody. Yeah, I never, I never saw Quincy, but I, I don't know. I it's didn't good. watch a TV. I watched a lot of, I was just saying on the other podcast, I watched a lot of movies growing up. I didn't watch a ton of TV, but now it's so weird because I'll watch like a true crime thing and I'll feel like kind of a creep. And then like my dad and my sister will come visit me and they both separately will be watching true crime shit. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm yeah, the, the apple didn't fall far. This from is, we were just into this and my sister and mine was like, Oh yeah. Mom and dad had tons of like the JFK, you know, books. And yeah. Tr those, tr those super cheap, like uh, true crime books, you know, with like tons of pictures in the middle. <laughs> right. Like an inordinate amount of pictures. Stuff blacked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Redacted and yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I think it just, it's like a weird fascination. Yeah, when people people have asked me about you because they know we know each other a little bit after Barry took off. And they were like, did you think Hater could do that? And I was like, yeah, he's like super nerdy about <laughs> movies. And I'm not surprised at all that that Barry came out of his head. Oh, good. Well, yeah. Because remember, I saw you, the last time I saw you was at South By, like a year yeah. ago. And I had seen the first two. I was like, yes. Oh, that was really sweet, man. But you, you weren't lot. sure at that point. No, I was. That you were the very, very, very first screen of Barry. Like, no, yeah. an audience had never seen it before. And I don't really drink, but Alec Berg and I got completely trashed <laughs> out in the lobby when it started. Because I don't really drink, and they just kept giving me, like, it's like Austin. So it's like, this is like... Right, you know the octopus logger from like <laughs> the octopus tree that we octopus have, and, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, and it's like uh, the the logger that has its own band of the, you know, it's from San Antonio, yeah, and I'm like, cool, and then uh, I was like, oh man, Alec, I'm kind of drunk, you know, and I was like, yeah, and then I remember you came out. So I had to go in and do a Q&A, and you came out, and you're like, dude, it's great. And then you, I remember you stopped, and you turned back around, and you're like, no, Bill, because you had to rush someplace. You go, no, yeah. Bill, I'm being honest. It's really great. Because uh, I could tell and you I didn't totally like, believe me. You were yeah. like, okay, thanks, man. And I was like, no, no, really. You're like, People it's are really gonna great. People are going to like this. People are going to like this. And I was like, and and Alec didn't see you, and I went over. I was like, well, Simmons said we're good. He's like, well, that's, well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so, to think what yeah. I would have said if I didn't like it that much. No, I think I would have like been like, you would have been like, yeah, it's not for me. I probably would have been like, there's hater, go the other way. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to no, you strike me as the type of guy that would be like, right? You would be like, nice, but kind of like, ah, it's not for me. But hey, good luck. No, I'm trying to think because you're so you're so vulnerable at a screening. I oh, would have been true. nicer. That's true. I'd have been like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. You congrats. Were, you were on screen. <laughs> congrats. Yeah, congrats. I could tell. Audience dug it. You were just up there. 
<laughs> you were there at that screen I was looking at, and you, it was you. And now here you are now. Yeah. And now I'm uncomfortable. People liked it. I'm going to go. Yeah, I think you throw it to other people when, you, yeah. when you're con- you're there. Everybody liked it. Everyone, but you don't say what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, you I also, after, after the last episode, I was like, this seems like it's designed so he never has to do another season of this. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Which people, I know like a lot of people have asked you, but I really yeah. did. I was like, oh shit, he's one and done, isn't he? Zion Williamson. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> he's out. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I think uh no, I think we I don't think we never thought of it that way. It was interesting. We thought like, oh no, people will be like, What what's gonna happen next? And then I think the New York Times came out with an article that was like, This show is so good, I hope they don't make more. Because they're just gonna ruin it, and I was like, "They said oh, that, shit. That's yeah, a yeah." And I was like, "Ah, shit!" And we was, and Alec what a was backhanded like, ah. compliment. I know, and Alec was, "I'm like, good well, with eight. Please don't make any more. Please don't make any more. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> just stop." I had that perfect steak once. Thank you very much. I don't want to see it again. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I get that though, because a lot of shows they kind of can dwindle or whatever. But, um. I don't know. I, I guess the one thing, because I don't watch a whole lot of like uh, television uh, and I am more into movies or whatever. I don't know what it is, but or Alec and I just in general is that we kind of burn stuff really fast. I think a lot of yeah. writer rooms would be like, oh, I think you should hold off until the cop finds out, you know? Yeah. And we're like, no, she's good. She'd find out. Right. Yeah. You know, and everyone's like, well, we're going to burn that and then we can't use it later. And isn't the whole thing to keep the show going for a while? And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. Like, so you're kind of like, I kind of, you just have to go with like the reality of it and go. And that's when I get frustrated with TV shows where I'm like, okay, well, this person's like an amazing private eye. They would figure out. True. So they're just dumb. It's going to be 10 episodes of them. So they're just dumb, you know, or like, you know, I'm watching a movie where like a guy, you remember watching like one of the Mission Impossible movies, which I I, I like those movies, but Me too. there's one where he beats up like an entire prison at the open. Like it's really Tom Cruise versus an entire prison. You and don't then, like his odds normally? No, no, and he did great, you know? And then at the end, it's like him versus an old guy in a car part, and the old guy's like kicking his ass. And I was like, he just beat up an entire prison. <laughs> he could beat up this fucking old guy like no yeah. problem. Why is this why is he suddenly now tanking? <laughs> Like, what's going on? <laughs> and so, I don't know. Like, you would see things like that. Uh, that's the Mission Impossible, that kick-ass sequence in Dubai where he climbs up the the building. Yeah. That, that was unreal. I loved the, I thought the last movie was out of control. Yeah. I really, insane. I actually, if that had been nominated for an Oscar, I would have been totally fine. Yeah. I, I was so satisfied with it. I loved yeah. it. I was, I was crazy. I was just like. Oh my god, that bike, the motorcycle chase. I was like, that was insane. the bathroom scene. It has the like six scene was great, great, great scenes. Yeah, that bathroom scene. And now having directed fight stuff, yeah, Chris from Macquarie and those guys, the DP and the editor, everybody deserves a lot of credit for that because so much. It's so uh, you're really locked into only a specific place where you could put the camera because you're trying to hide yeah. punches and things right. like that and wire work and. All these other Wait, things. Wait, the guys um, don't actually fight? No. Why sorry, are you doing Bill. this to me? I'm sorry, Bill. They're not actually fighting. I thought Cruz was fighting those no, guys. No, what? No, no, no. Ah, oh, fuck. Uh. Damn it. <laughs> I was, he doesn't know how to fly a jet either, Bill. <laughs> what? Saying, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, 
<laughs> we're doing a rewatchables that we're taping this week about Fast Five, oh, which yeah. is one of the seven greatest movies of all time. And I feel like you only watch movies that are on TNT and TBS, <laughs> both Turners. But there's a whole part about the fight scene with The Rock yeah. and uh, Vin Diesel. Oh yeah. Which took like two weeks to film apparently because it had so many different stunts and the cameras and then guys got hurt a couple times yeah. and then they had to make sure it was exactly even. So yeah. neither oh, guy won because yeah. you had the two giant A-list actor yeah, egos. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fight scenes are complicated. Fight scenes are, yeah, that's a, we have one this season in Barry that's like, that was an episode I was directing and we have a big, it was a big fight scene and it was like, Oh, this will be fun, and it was a lot of fun, but it was just like, so I want to put the camera here, and the sound corner was like, no, because if you do that, you're going to see this, and we need to put the guys with the wires here, and we got to do that. Oh, shit, so I really can only put the camera right here then, you know? And so, well, can we move those guys over so we can go from here, you know? And you just realize so much of it is uh, is uh, geography, is just figuring out the geography of everything. So so many, like, fight scenes now, like, not fight scenes now, but there is a thing where you, you do like super shaky cameras and it's like subjective, like you're in the fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, so you kind of don't know where you're at and then you've, and then like five guys are down or whatever. Um, but the reason those like those old movies and like the stuff like Spielberg and James Cameron too, is just like the genius out of like, you just know the geography, you know exactly where everything is. And I feel like that's why they're so. Well, you don't want to end up like the Godfather where, Sonny misses Carlo by like seven feet as he's kicking his ass. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Carlo's face is way over there. I thought the hits with the most of them were good, the but he misses one. Can't. Yeah, no, he really does when he's on the and ground. Carlo, and Carlo sells it anyway, like yeah. professional wrestling. Yeah, it was pretty bad. For a tough one. It was a tough one. I have. I want Hollywood to pool money in so they can CGI some of this stuff to fix it, like with the classics that are on all the time. Yeah, because like the original Rocky. They film it in an empty um, arena, basically, and yeah. they cheat it, and they just have the fans on one side. But there are a couple shots where you just see all these empty seats. Yeah. And then now that everything is so much, yeah, you could tile so it so much clearer. Yeah. They could just it costs like ten grand. Put yeah, some you fans tile in there. it all, and that was my job. I was a PA on a movie with The Rock, actually called Scorpion King, and I my job was to tile on that. That was one of my jobs. Was you would take out like Jesus, you take fifty extras. And there was like a grid and you would go, okay, you guys stand here in this thing. And then you would take those same 50 people and rearrange them, put them in the next square, you know, rearrange them, put them in the next square. And then you had your radio and you look up where the camera was and everybody and they're like, can you move the guy with the hat? No, the other guy with the hat. Can you move him over like two inches, you know, for a shot that's going to be on screen for three seconds. Yeah. You know? But have you met the rock since you were a PA? On yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a funny story. Actually, he threw me, uh, we we did the the Rock Obama. Yeah, uh, that and, was a classic. And he uh, he had to throw me through a window, and uh, he he's the night he's a super nice guy, and he was like, uh, "Hey man, so what's gonna happen? I'm gonna grab you, um, and I'm you know, and it's all you. You just run. You and there was like sugar glass, and I had to jump through the window, and behind it is like a kind of a backdrop, and and uh, and there's a pad there for me and everything. So he goes, all right. So we do it at dress rehearsal. It goes great. And then on air, I think it was just like the adrenaline of air or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he actually, I took the running start, but he actually oh, threw no. me. And I went through that and I went through the back 
the backdrop and I fucking rolled. <laughs> I was like, I like Wiley e. Coyote, like, oh my God. And the stunt coordinator ran over to me and he just started going, shh, 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 because we were live. So, because I, I hit my knee and I was like, fuck. And he ran over, like, shh, 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 like, don't make any noise. And the minute they said, you know, live from New York and the, the show started, uh, I heard Dwayne on is, is Bill okay? Is he okay? Oh my God, is he all right? Because <laughs> he knew, I think the minute he did, he was like, oh shit. I just like really tossed him through that. Oh my God. Yeah. When you met him, did you go, Dwayne, Bill Hader, Scorpion King. Yeah, no, I told him I was on Scorpion King, and he was like, I do not remember you. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy that you're yeah. in a PA and that stuff. Now you're yeah. ordering PAs around. Yeah, now I'm like, get over here. No. Get but me my coffee. Give me my coffee. Hotter. What is this? I want an almond milk. Did you direct last year? Yeah, I directed the first three last year. And oh, that's this right. This year I directed episodes five and episodes eight. Well, how much did you nerd out being a director? That was awesome. It was like the kind of the thing you always wanted to do, you know? That was the thing I've always wanted to do since more than kind of acting or anything was I would watch movies and I was always kind of paying attention. You would start to notice like the same name at the end of them and they would each give you, you would go, oh, wow, like Alfred, Spielberg, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Or, you know who it was actually for me when I was, it was when I was like in third or fourth grade is I recognized John Landis. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Kentucky Fried Movie. Like, my friends and I all ran Kentucky Fried yeah. Movie, which was hilarious. And then I was like, oh, and, and Animal House and Blues Brothers and Trading Places and Coming to America. You know, it was like all these movies I loved. Kentucky you know. Fried Movie you saw way before you were supposed to see. Oh, way before. Yeah, it's a super dirty movie. Yeah. You know what that, you know, it's that for now it used to be South Park and then South Park lost the championship belt. To what? Big Mouth. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. My friend, my best friend growing up wrote on the first season of Big Mouth. The fourth and fifth graders are all like, yeah, yeah. We're going to get on Bobby's Netflix account tonight and watch Big Mouth. Don't tell like, anyone. That's uh, the, the, you know, I don't know. Like Kentucky Fried Movie, you actually Ooh, saw like, boobs. yeah, it was yeah. like sex scenes were yeah. in it. And you were like, oh my God, you couldn't believe Like the end sketch in that was like, inc it's like a softcore sex scene where all the guys in the news can see them and stuff. Um, well, now they yeah. can they can get their nude scenes anywhere they want. I know we would have to like. I don't yeah. even know. I don't yeah. even know what I the know equivalent where of that you would could be. Like fine porn, it was like you couldn't at all. And now these guys, it, like they come by it by accident on their computers. And it's yeah, you're like, talking Ugh. forty years ago. You're talking about people watching the scrambled porn signal just for oh, the noises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, everything squiggly. Yeah. Now, I remember my friend, I was in fifth grade, and I had a friend, he was like, oh, you know, like when you're in fifth grade, and this kid's like, hey, man, there's this house, and it's um, it's abandoned, and it's on my block, and there's a ton of cocaine there. There's all these bags of cocaine in it, and we were like, what? what? So we went into this, like, abandoned house. I remember we showed it to him, and the guy's like, pretty Freddy Krueger, huh? Like, he kept calling it, this house is pretty Freddy Krueger, isn't it? And, like, he just kept saying that. And we went in, and it was bags of cement. And I was like, dude, these are bags That's of not cement. cocaine. This is not cocaine. You're a fucking liar. And then he and then this guy was like, wait, but look at this. And it was a duffel bag filled with um, playgirls. Playgirls? <laughs> and he was like, what the hell is this? And it was all playgirls. So we went and we took all the pictures and we put them under windshields. 
down the street. Some people got in their car. It was like some dude with his junk out or whatever. We just ran down and just put them all like, it was like, it was, and it was like immediate. Like we all had the same idea. I'm like, we should take pictures out of this and throw them, slap them down on the windshields under the windshield wiper of everybody, every car in the street, right? Yes. And we all just did it crazy fast and we're laughing so hard. That some guy just got into his car and was like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, episodes is Barry this time? Is it eight again? Eight, yeah. yeah. Is this it or are you going for more? Uh, I, we'd love to do more. Right. So we'll see, what, we'll see what HBO says after the season, but we'd love to do more. I had some questions for you. Oh, my gosh. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. What's it like working with Henry Winkler? Oh, Jesus Christ. I knew you were going to do this. I sent him a te- I sent I sent him an email saying, "Here are the questions that get asked all the time because you said I don't want to ask you the same things over and over again." How do you blend comedy and drama? Uh, <laughs> it's like no one you can't say Google it because you're an asshole if you do, but you are What's the difference like, between SNL and Barry? Oh, Jesus Christ. Go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, Barry uh, is on HBO, and yeah. Oh man, what was the whole award season like? As as the focal point versus like just being an SNL guy. Uh, was, did like did you get competitive? No, I'm not like that competitive. I, I don't. That's probably why I wasn't very good in sports growing up. Is I was very like, oh, the other guys won. That's all right. Uh, good for them. Hey, good for them. They did a good job. They deserve it. Um, they all played us like I was that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, I don't know. Do you feel I, validation for the show that you yeah, nomination some yeah, awards? No, it was always nice. I mean, it was like, it was total shock. I was shooting it, it too. What? And, um, I'm in the sequel to it. What? A horror movie. Do you not know that? No. Oh, I'm, I'm oh my God. Do you know, are you familiar with it? The my, book? my, it's. A top three movie for my son. So the kid, uh, f- um, Finn. Yeah. You know, like, I'm him grown up in that movie. Really? So, yeah. So I am I was shooting that in Hamilton, Ontario. Nice. And I woke well, nice. The hammer. And I, uh, I woke up uh, <laughs> in the morning. I woke up and my publicist was calling me going, you guys just got 13 Emmy nominations. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, Alec, then Alec you know, text me like, well, this is pretty crazy, huh? Like, we're the most like, wow, no way. Holy cool. Okay. Cool. All right. You know, like, it was just a massive honor, you know, and then like, Henry winning was cool. And, and, and when I, and I, when I won, I was just totally shocked. I thought it was going to be either Ted Danson or Donald. 
And then I went to a party, and when you have the award, everybody, like, people you don't know were taking it from you and saying, I want a picture with just the award. They don't want to, like, You just have to stand next to them? I stood next to at least a dozen people who, like, I don't know any of them. They didn't. They weren't people I recognized or knew, and they would, like, take it, and it would, like, be, like, the wife would take a picture of it, and then she would hand it to her husband, and then the husband would take a picture of it, and I'm like, can I have my— Seriously? Yeah, I'm like, can I have that back, please? That's terrible. Thank America, you. don't do that. Yeah, Stop so doing that. I was that. like, this is so weird. So finally, I just was like, I'm leaving, and I left the party kind of early, and I just went to In-N-Out Burger— with and your Emmy? With my Emmy. in and out guy's like, hey, man, can I hold no, that? No, no, no. What happened was, no. What was the woman was like, she goes, didn't you just win an Emmy? And I go, yeah, I did. And she goes, is it in there? And I go, and I showed it to her. And she goes, who else is in there with you? I was like, oh, it's just me. And she went, oh, baby, that's sad. <laughs> Total burn. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'm alone on Emmy night. What? You know? We, we work tomorrow. We started shooting the next day, so. So then I, yeah, I just went home and on TCM was uh, Ace in the Hole, Billy Wilder movie with Kirk Douglas, which is awesome. And I just sat back and, and, and getting texts from people like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm at home, man. I'm like, yeah. I went home. <laughs> but um, That's so weird that people would take the Emmy from you. Yeah, I had that happen a couple of times. People just were very weird about it. it, it yeah, it just. I don't we know. Won. Henry had a lot of fun. Henry, I was, it was fun watching Henry like party and he was the bell of the ball at the HBO party. People were yeah. going, he and the Game of Thrones guys were going crazy and I kind of just like, was like high fived and then left. Well, he's been one of the best like Hollywood guys like forever. Everybody loves him. He's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. He's it's also actually smart to over. cast somebody like that. Yeah. Because everybody's just rooting for the project because he's in it. Yeah, no. I wish the Celtics yeah. could sign somebody like Henry Winkler. Yeah, Henry play instead of Irving. Can they Irving, just yeah. have him as a backup point guard? <laughs> Can he still move around? Irving. He would probably give the same kind of press conferences afterwards. <laughs> it's all the team's fault. <laughs> I was working my ass off out there. I said we should double team Aldridge, but no one too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> but he, you know what though is that it's funny. Henry's all over the your guys is. Uh, the the Celtics Lakers thing you guys did yeah he's all over it I just texted him he was like oh yeah I had like the best seats in the world and I he saw he's like I saw all those games and I was like oh that's good. I always look for stuff for the studio in my office on eBay like those posters yeah. I was showing you before and uh, I found this search it's like seventies TV posters uh-huh. and I've been looking for a couple of things from that era. And it's astonishing how many Henry Winkler posters there are. Oh yeah. There's like oh, yeah, five yeah. different ones of, you know, him like, or like him, like cheesecake, just in the white t-shirt. Yeah. It's no. like him, Travolta yeah, and huge. Gabe Kaplan, Gabe Kaplan and huge. the Dukes, the Duke brothers. Boy, they're geez. in there, but there's only like, you know, it's, he's, it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. He's also like, we were shooting a scene in Barry that the season that we're on Paramount on stage 19. And it's this really dramatic scene. And right before we did it, he went, he looked around and he goes, you know what? This is, you know, I don't know if I told you, this is where we shot Happy Days. I'm like, you did Happy Days here? He was like, yeah, I haven't been here since. This is crazy. And I was like, wow, really? Well, wait, 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 don't roll, don't roll. <laughs> wait, where was the stage at? You know, I was like, where was the jukebox at? You know, I was like, but he's so kind of like, oh yeah, this is where we did it. Yeah, stage 19, this is wild, you know. It's hard to explain to like somebody from Kyle's generation we only had the three channels, so yeah, well, the Happy Days audience, you can't even compare it to anything now. No. It'd be like Stranger Things crossed with Game of Thrones, crossed with 
It was like Whatever. imagine the biggest thing on earth. I mean, I mean, he was television. You know, I mean, that John Mulaney said it was like Henry. Both of us, Henry has done Fonzie. Like he'll slip into Fonzie when he's telling a story or something. Yeah. And I go and and John said it. He's like, it's like Mickey Mouse coming to life. It's like yeah, a seriously. Thing you, it's like it's like a thing you grew up with suddenly coming to life in front of you. Like the first thing I can remember on television was Henry. You know, as a kid, it was like Sesame Street and then uh, Happy Days, and I was just like, and so getting to. And then the fact that he read for us, like, you know, we were like, yeah, and he, he came in and auditioned with all these other guys, you know, and I came in that day for the casting and there was Henry sitting with everybody. Did you add anybody for this year? Did you add any free agent signings? <laughs> Did you improve the bench? Yeah, we improved the bench. We got a deep, well, any we rebounders? only have 30 minutes. So it's like we are adding characters and people are like, yo, like we got to, yeah, we got, we got to be able to use true. other people. But yeah, we have some new people. Um, Sarah Burns is really funny. She plays uh, a cop in it and uh, uh, Loach's new partner. Um, no, nah, it's good. Um, we got to talk about Mulaney. Oh, yeah. He's the funniest guy in the world right now. When I came, you and Seth invited me to SNL 10 years ago. <laughs> and I think it was the first time you did Stefan. Yeah, yeah. You were there at the Gabri Sidibe show. It was the yeah. first time I ever did some. Uh, and then we Stephane. went out after and you were like, this is... This is John Mulaney. He wrote, he wrote this thing with me. He's like, hey, man, what's happening? Just normal guy. Yeah. And then, like, three, four years ago, like, his all of a sudden he became, like, a guy. I was like, that guy from the SNL after party? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it No, just, we kind of knew it the minute he showed up that John, I mean, Seth and I were like, wow, this guy is, like, inordinately talented. Yeah, I remember the first time we were writing a um, – his first season, we were writing a um, – Vincent Price sketch. I used to do these Vincent Price sketches, and then and he was, and Seth was like, "You want to bring the new guy in just to see if he could pitch some jokes on it?" I think he's just in his office, you know. Yeah. So I went in. I was like, "Hey, man, you want to work on the Vincent Price with us?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, sure," you know. And he came in, and he's kind of quiet, like, "Well, yeah. John and I are," pit-. and I'm not like, I can't write jokes. I was never like, I, I can't write the way that Seth and those guys can, you know. So I always needed. Like Kristen and Fred and Andy and people could write their own material kind of by themselves or with someone else, but they could really write jokes. I really needed writers. Um, and so Seth was kind of I'm like, oh, it could be this. I, the way I would write is I would kind of go like, well, maybe he says something like this or maybe it's, you know, he's talking to Liberace and he says something in this vein that could get us to hear. Like I was always kind of structuring it. And so I'm going, he needs a joke to Liberace. And John finally goes, oh, he could say Save your sassy asides for your windowless bars. <laughs> <laughs> and John and, I, and Seth and I just looked at each other like, whoa, Ooh, who's that, this guy? This guy, what the fuck? Like, that is like a perfect <laughs> joke. Bars. That is like a perfect line. And I'm like, and I think I might have said, is that from something? Like, where the hell did you yeah, come up with that? Did you steal that? His stuff was so well honed like immediately yeah and he's always been that way and 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 so what he has is just like a gift to for jokes i don't know how he does it so i think that's why we worked well together was he could do that and then i could kind of do the characters but could do a voice or a behavior or whatever and then he was the facilitator of the jokes there was this clip circulating online last week from the james franco that weird documentary he did about snl where mm-hmm. you and mulaney are coming up with 
something oh, in the office. We're laughing really and he, hard. You're just laughing for two straight minutes, and he's just saying stuff. Oh yeah, it's pretty funny. It's a uh, yeah. We were doing a sketch. It was about a guy who had lost his mind, and he was hiring and firing all the things in his office. <laughs> so he's like, uh, he's like cup. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, uh, I can't remember. It was like, mug, you're now glass, you know? And it was like, and it was like, and he loved his couch. He's like, couch, your tops, you're not going anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> and, and it was like, he would go, he would change, like, stapler, I'm sorry, but you're not couch. We got you to get out of here. And he's like, couch again? Don't you worry about nothing. Like, he was just, he was just this dude that had lost his mind. And I don't know why. I mean, it might not be that funny, but we were, we also had a thing called Santa Fe that made me laugh, where it was just a bunch of kids. Going, oh, uh, they're on a college campus, and they go, "Hey, where are you gonna go to for spring break?" And uh, people go, "I think I'm gonna go to Cabo San Lucas, or hey, I'm gonna go to Jamaica." And then I was this guy who's clearly seventy years old, all in like jean, like yeah, and with long silver hair and a backpack. And I go, "How about we go to Santo Fe?" <laughs> and they go, "Who are you?" I go, I am Johnny Smith, a student just like you, and the proof is my backpack. And I was a guy who worked for the Santa Fe Tourism Board who was trying to get kids to come to Santa Fe for spring break. And it was just me pitching Santa Fe to them and then being like, dude, I don't know, man. (laughs) And it made us laugh so hard. But uh, Did you expect everything that's happening to him to happen? Yeah, and I think because he's now become like the stand up, the, the he's the, the funniest guy in the top world, top stand up that the other stand ups even, yeah, but don't feel looking, jealous of. They were looking up to him back then, though. I remember yeah. when we were, I think his thing always was kind of like he was writing on the show, but he wanted to be on the show. Yeah, I remember we wrote a movie together that was not good. Ah, oh. um, that we both were kind of like, this isn't really making sense, uh, but, um, but. I remember thinking, oh, we gotta. Now you guys could probably get that made. To, but no, I, we not that one. But it was kind of like, oh, he needs to be performing because yeah. when we were writing that, I remember he would play some of the parts, and I just remember going like, this guy should be performing, and this guy's got just great timing and all these. things. Yeah, when he hosted, so, it was like, how did they not have him perform when he was writing? I, I don't know. I mean, or maybe people get confidence I, I, later. I don't know. He always had that confidence. I before he hosted uh before he hosted before he wrote on the show he came in in 2008 the way i saw him was i saw him and nick kroll do oh hello and this is back in 08 yeah you know and i saw him do uh he just did stand up and he did these characters and i just was like this guy's amazing i think he auditioned for the show he used to do this date um not dateline uh law and order thing that was really funny um where he played all the different characters on law and order (laughs) It was hysterical. Yeah, if you ever have him on, he has to do it. I can't do it. But it was just, I remember watching his audition going, oh, my God, this guy's unreal. And just effort. He has such a unique comedic voice. Like, when we were working on those Stefans, he would just be like, what's the thing in it? I just remember he would just go, he's like, a shaved lion that looks like Mario Batali. And I would just lose my mind. (laughs) Where did you come up with that? (laughs) You know? He just uh, and he's a great guy on top of everything. He's just a super yeah. sweet guy. He's not. I think all the success he's he has is because I don't know anybody who works harder. Than Have him. you seen Sudeikis's latest uh, hair and mustache look? No, no. I've seen the long hair, but now there's a mustache. Now there's like a 
Oh, yeah. cool. He looks like a biker. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to check that out. Oh, I go- look at that. Google that. I think that's cool. He's got that's it going. Very, uh, we're, he's, I'm from Oklahoma. He's from Kansas. And that is a look that I think I would also want, but I don't have the balls to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you tried facial hair at anything? Yeah. I mean, when we did the Blue Jean Committee, uh, facial hair, I used to have a beard. Like when I was like in. I used to work in a movie theater when I was in my early 20s, and I looked, I, I grew out a beard and long hair because it was like I idolized all those like 70s directors. Yeah. And, but then I just ended up looking like Charles Manson. <laughs> like I just ended up looking like a fucking serial killer, <laughs> but I wear like a bow tie and like a cummerbund. And I'm well, like, just tearing, killer. yeah, I'm like tearing tickets. And I was like, hey, hi. <laughs> You know, uh, and it was like, yeah, we're good, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I I never. Could what was your favorite off. movie of 2018? 2018, I really liked uh, Roma. I saw it in the theater. I just like films that I can kind of like fall into that world. Yeah. Um, and a scene in the theater I thought was great. It was like like a Tarkovsky movie or something. It was just really it was kind of immersive. And I think that guy's just a phenomenal filmmaker. Just I just appreciated something that was that cinematic. Um, I liked First Reform, the well, Ethan, Ethan Hawke Hawk movie. movie. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, um, I feel like we else. have a lot of good directors again. Yeah, yeah. Because like, even this Jordan Peele movie that just came out yeah. did really well. Yeah, like su- surprisingly well. And the hook was that. Hey, it's Jordan Peele. He did Get Out. Now this yeah, is that, and people out. were like, how "Yeah, good. yeah." How good was Get Out, man? God, that movie was amazing. Yeah, but all those guys. Yeah, it's it's nice to see director-driven things, and and you know, and I get the kind of thing like with Netflix, like releasing things. Like, I, I like Netflix, and I love that they're doing. I think it's rad, you know. Um, but I would like just as a movie fan of something like. Roma or Battle of Buster Scruggs or these movies were out in theaters a little longer because, yeah. cause, um, man, seeing Roma in the theater is like a totally different experience than seeing it on your laptop or at home or something, you know, I think. Um, but I also just, Alfonso Cuarón, I mean, if you go, I mean, Children of Men, I think, is a total masterpiece and uh, U2 Mama Tambien. And I just like that each one of his movies is like he's doing something different. Right. Like, he does grab, you know, he does YouTube Mama Tembian, and then he does like a horror, like a Harry Potter movie. Like, I just dig that. Like, he's just like this kind of cool journeyman who's like wanting to swerve. He's like Jeff Bridges is that way, like as an actor. Like, Jeff Bridges always yeah. will do one thing and then he'll do totally, he wants to go 180 with the next project, which is like, I think, really cool. Um, Soderbergh's like that. I, I did a pod yeah, with him last month. And yeah. He just seems like he really enjoys the one for them, one for me type yeah. of mentality. Of yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah, he'll do, you know, I remember 2000, we had that crazy year. We had Aaron Brockovich and Traffic. Yeah. You know, he got nominated twice. Twice. Yeah. And I, I, the movie he made that I just loved was Schizopolis. I don't know if you saw it. It's totally insane. But when I was 22, I watched that thing over and over because I was like, oh, it's so cool that this guy, to find his way, because he had kind of lost his way apparently, and he was trying to find what made him like movies. So he made this thing starting himself that is just totally insane and kind of could have come off kind of embarrassing, you know. Um, but I thought it was really well done. And then that gave him the confidence to go do like out of sight, which really was a thing that kind of brought him back or whatever you want to call it. But I think we're I headed toward 
I think this gen, like my kids' generation, my kids are older than your kids, but mm-hmm. um, it's so easy to film and edit now. Yeah. That I think this whole generation of kids, like thirteen to twenty or eleven to twenty, whatever, they're gonna they're gonna be coming into their creative own basically, but have all these skills that like my generation didn't have. Your no, generation didn't we have. had to have a ton of money to do that. Yeah, you, the cameras had to be awesome, huge. and they were also like really. Yeah, you know, hard and to you, carry and you around. wanted to be on film, so you had to like get the money to develop your film. I remember shooting stuff, and then we're like, cool, okay, well, I got to go figure out a way to get the money to develop this. And yeah. that would be like nine months later, you know right. what I mean? And now that's so immediate that you could shoot something on your phone, hook it up to your laptop, and edit it, and you can have a thing that fast, and, it, and it's... And it's, it's super just instantaneous, I think, is great. I just... I hope I that's why when I talk to people about movies, I love what's happening. I just it's like, oh, watch some of like these older things or some of these kind of interesting. Like, that's why I liked Roma, because I was like, oh, you could tell like the scope of that, you know, I thought was so cool. You know, you can do that now. So you don't think a lot of money. You don't think instant family with Mark Wahlberg is going to be inspiring? Cause that's you know what, what though? Watch whatever the fuck you want. That movie you know is what? good. Watch whatever the fuck you want. But like, <laughs> I. By the way, I say all that shit. But like, one of my favorite movies is The Burbs. I mean, I've watched that yeah. movie like twenty times, and I'm sure you know if I was listening to something and like I don't know some guy you know Richard Schickel or something was like The Burbs was some piece of your Pauline Kael was talking about like, that, and I'd be like, fuck you, that movie's rad. <laughs> you know, so you should be able to watch whatever you want. And also, I think I come across this too, where it's like. I'll talk about this stuff and people won't know what it is. Like I remember being yeah. in like um doing some Q&A or whatever and I I with Matt Stone and we were at UCLA like at UCLA and there's a lot of film school students and none of them had seen Raising Arizona. They didn't even know what it was. And we were all like, "What? You guys don't know what Raising Arizona is?" And 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 Edgar Wright was up there too and Edgar Wright was like, "Yeah, it's the movie that made me want to make movies." And they were like, and then a guy raised, "Okay, what was that thing called again so I can write it down?" We're like, "Raising Arizona?" And and so then, but I don't. This is you know, a big topic at the mirror. I don't want to get. I don't want to get mad about that because it's like, so what? They don't know, but now they can discover it. Like I didn't know great big films when I was in my twenties. But the the what was exciting about it was going off and discovering that movie, and then you watch that movie, and if you like that, then you do some more reading and go, oh, they liked Preston Sturgis. Then you're watching Preston Sturgis movies or yeah. or whatever weird screwball comedy that they were into, and you get into it, and that's what's fun about it. Yeah, we do this podcast called The Rewatchables, which I'm going to make you come on at some point this year, and uh, I'm always amazed by the younger Ringer people when when kind of the line is for where they're like, yeah, I don't know what that movie is. Yeah. You'd be like, The Shining? Like, what? What's yeah, The Shining? Yeah, I don't know I what that, that is. Yeah. I don't know what The Shining is. Um, but I've seen, yeah, but I've seen Final Destination 5. But that's cool. Which I, I get, think, though. But I was like it. that. Yeah. When I was a kid, I never wanted to watch anything before, like, you know, you I gotta, was born, basically. Like, let, like I, my dad would introduce me to shit. Yeah. But he wasn't like. Kentucky Fred movie. Yeah, like this. I remember him showing me Clockwork Orange, and I was like, mm. I should not have seen it, probably. <laughs> you guys wrote a great piece about Clockwork yeah, Orange. Yeah, we just actually. did. Yeah, I love that. Week. I thought that was a great piece. Uh, but I, for some reason, got it, you know? I was like, oh, I understand that, you know? And it wasn't, It. I was like, oh, that's kind of a, I don't know if that was the intention of the filmmaker or whatever, but it hit me on a certain level, that an emotional level, which I that I got, you know? And I'd never seen a movie that looked like that, sounded like that, every element of it 
was something I had never seen. The way it was shot, edited, the way the use of music, the costumes, the production design, everything. That was the thing with those Kubrick movies. This was a rare thing where you could be flipping through the channels and flip past a Kubrick movie and see, and you go, oh, that was a Kubrick movie. Go back. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because just blown out windows, the... The, the lighting, the way he frames it, the the, the costumes, like everything kind of comes together to make a specific thing that is wholly him. You know? Well, that's, I don't, the under 25, they don't flip channels. So, yeah, that's the weird thing, right? I, so, I, when you become obsessed with the movie, you're basically obsessed with the start, middle, finish because yeah. you're starting the movie and rewatching it. Whereas, yeah. like, my generation and yours, like we were kind of jumping into stuff yeah, you half the time. Halfway through something. Like, oh, cool, were, this is on. But now yeah, it's like, I don't, this? people don't do that. People don't even have cable and satellite now. You I sound know. so old. I know. I don't but mean I to sound old. Cool, but, though, but I think it's, you know, it's there's something cool. There's, there'll be something really interesting in that that that'll come out of that that we would never think. I think there's, of, you know, I was thinking about it because my son, who uh, one of his best friends is really into music and they made a, they made a rap video. Oh, yeah. Which Kyle has seen. They <laughs> call themselves Tic Tac and Melatonin. <laughs> she couldn't make up. And they cut this music video. And it, I mean, it was hilarious. Oh, really? But they actually like edited it and it has like this rhythm to it. And I'm like, this is like, there's no way I could have done this when yeah. I was like 18. Yeah. But I was thinking like that generation, that 11 to 20. The way they can edit stuff and it's so fast and choppy. Yeah. I wonder, like, will that be the next wave of how people make movies? Yeah, well, well it's, it's already really kind of happening. I think that's what I meant when I liked Roma because I'm like, oh, this thing isn't being like got it's a thousand school. cuts in yeah. it. And when we do Barry, I'm constantly removing cuts. I'm always like, can we just hold on this for a little bit? Yeah, I'll go to this, hold on this for a little bit. Like, let's get into a rhythm that's a little bit more like, you know, uh, where you can. Tarantino does that really well where he can get you into a rhythm and then then totally, you know, sucker punch you with some sort of violence or something that you're not because the cutting is so specific. You yeah. Know? And uh, Scorsese. But Scorsese, that you talk about, Scorsese is constantly cutting him. His stuff's got tons of fast cuts in it. You know? Yeah, Goodfellas is... It's one of the so many reasons it's interesting is the movie like completely changes with 20 minutes to go. Yeah. When yeah. Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta yeah. is like in the uh, cocaine part of the whole thing. Yeah. That's and he a, yeah. actually films it differently and it's got a different yeah, rhythm the coke to it. thing. Yeah. It's a movie that doesn't really have an ending. It's really, and it's, that's kind of the climax of the movie. Yeah. And the editors, the I'm in editing right now and Kyle and Jeff, the two editors on Barry, we talk about that stuff all the time. And they're always like, I think that's like an editor's movie i mean goodfellas that specific moment and the way he uses music how the musical start yeah one way and then it goes into muddy waters and then it goes back into harry nielsen and then it goes into here and you're just like this thing is you know but it feels emotional it feels like a guy and we all know you know scorsese used to do a lot of coke it feels like a guy that is like this is what it feels like when you're on a lot of coke you're super paranoid you're looking up at this helicopters you know following you you're you you're you know you've you have all these things you're trying to do in the day or whatever it is. And it just felt, that's why I love his movies is that he just, he makes them whatever it is personal. Like I showed my kids Hugo cause they wanted to watch it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that he may found out to make this about film preservation, which is something he really cares about. Like there has to be something that, that moves him within it to make it work. 
you know? It's weird because he have, cocaine has obviously fueled some of the choices he's made, but his characters never know how to do cocaine in the movies. They're yeah, always yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> with their head back. It's yeah, like you think he'd better be like, see, I never did cocaine. Yes, I don't yeah. know how to do them. I don't know how these people do this. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I know someone who worked on Raging Bull and said he had like an oxygen, or he has bad asthma. That had nothing to do with cocaine, but yeah. you know, he almost died and then went and did, Jesus. He almost went and did. He died doing New York, New York, almost died making New York, New York, and then decided to go do Raging Bull and didn't want to do it because he didn't like boxing. He, I remember right reading, he goes, I didn't, I didn't like watching sports because it was all from one angle. Like in the, in the like in 60s, oh, that's interesting. Which I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. He's like, it was all from one angle and he liked, you know, movies where it popped around, but it was all one angle. And, um, and so he's like, oh, I don't know about boxing, but De Niro's like, I want to play this boxer. And then, you know, it's like one of his best movies, you know, and it's so funny how those things tough, happen. Tough rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough <sighs> movie to watch. But I, I really like that. I, my dad, when I was, 15 took me to some benefit thing for Tommy Morrison because he's from Tulsa. Yeah. It was something. And Muhammad Ali and Jake LaMotta were both there. And I got to meet both of them. I had pictures with both of them, like Jake LaMotta and Muhammad Ali, which was fucking insane. Jesus. And I just am, like, totally terrified, (laughs) you know. What what kind of movies are you watching with your kids? She just liked... uh, I showed her Holy Grail, which she loved. She nine, loved. nine to ten is when you can really start shaping their sense of humor yeah. if you do it correctly. They like Teen Wolf. <laughs> we watched. Well, why Teen not? Wolf. It's a I minute. Mean, it's an yeah. all-time classic. Yeah, but I had to be like, that's not how you play basketball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, he traveled and carried like twenty. Times. I was like, there's no way. The, yeah, you can do any of those things. Um, I think in my basketball book, I tried to figure out. Like what the actual, what the score. actual box score was. <laughs> <laughs> and he had some guy in his team that wasn't even credited who uh, had like a double-double. It was like yeah. the unsung hero of that game. <laughs> Not the fat guy, but the, the third guy. The fat guy, though, his shot's terrible. I mean, you could just tell like everybody. the Well, the bad guy in it seemed like he knew how to play basketball. Bad guy wasn't terrible. I don't know terrible. how you were allowed to stand under the basket. No, for that's the free why. I, no, that was the thing yeah, I told was, my daughter. I was like, you're not allowed to do that in basketball. You can't. You can't give the opponent a dirty look while you're in it. <laughs> it is funny though. Some of those, I mean, some eighty movies, eighties movies are just gone. Like yeah. to, if you watch them with your kids, they'd just be like, "This is slow. This is boring. I don't get yeah. it." But then like Teen Wolf, Karate Kid, like Goonies, there's certain ones. Goonies, Goonies was, was a huge one. Yeah. The Sandlot, which is early nineties, but there's certain movies that have just my become kids timeless. wanted to watch it because I was doing it too, and I'm like, you oh, can't God. watch it, and they wanted to, and so I showed them Sandlot and told them it was it, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, this isn't scary at all. Yeah. <laughs> you, would you like, would yeah, let- no, this is it. I'm gonna be that guy growing up. That guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> would you let the nine year old watch it? No, my gosh, no, she would be terrified. Nah, it's, it's that that movie, the whole opening of that movie is too much. How many times has Ben it. watched it? <laughs> Probably five to ten. My son. Yeah. I would say at least ten. He loves it. My son likes scary movies though. Yeah, when I, how old is he? He's eleven. He like that my kids like movies where something's wrong with the house. They've oh, seen yeah. every well, single seen, one of those. I've seen uh I when I was that age, I was that's what I was into. They like that and they like somebody's away for the weekend and it's nice and peaceful and quiet here. But wait, it's not that quiet because somebody showed up that they didn't expect. They like that plot too. 
Yeah, my daughter. Yeah, they're they're yeah. They I don't think they would. I think I showed them the trailer to it. I can't believe like, you're oh, in it too. Them. I'm in it too. Yeah, you're. Who else is in it? Uh, let's see, Jessica Chastain is the is uh, is in it. Um, James McAvoy, um, and then you know, uh, uh, gosh, PJ Ransom, Isaiah Mustafa. This guy so it's grown up. Everyone's grown up. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that might work. No, yeah, well, that's the book was that you know it's like they grow up and then yeah, and they were smart enough to not try to do that in one movie. I thought it was fantastic. Movie. Yeah, Andy, the guy who made it, Andy and his sister, his sister's his producing par- partner, Barbara Machete, they're they're awesome. They're like the nicest people. But uh, man, that guy, Bill Sarsgaard, man, who plays Pennywise, I give him so much credit because he that that makeup is so uncomfortable. Oh and, my god! And Andy is awesome, but he is like a perfectionist. You do a lot of takes on a, on a movie on those movies. Yeah. You know? And the kids, I met the kids before I shot. I'm like, anything I got to know? And the kids were like, he's going to do a lot of takes. <laughs> and I was like, all right. I've been with people doing a lot of takes. And I was like, oh, my God, man, we do a lot of takes on this thing. But um, but that's because, like, he's looking for something super specific. He wants to be surprised. He wants to, you know. But, man, Bill, we I get to do it, and I'm wearing, like, you know, a T-shirt and jeans, Bill's and all this makeup with contacts and fake teeth. Oh, my God. You haven't and, had to do that for a movie, have you? Yeah, I was in uh, Men in Black 3 where I was uh, Andy Warhol, and I was – I get to have Rick Baker did my makeup, which was really? the fucking coolest thing on earth. I would wake up – they'd pick me up at 1 in the morning. I would start makeup at 2 to be on set at 8. Like, that's how long it did take my – That sounds my horrible. But I was with Rick Baker, so I was like, all right, like – out of the gate, I was like, "All right, so you started working for Dick Smith when you were how old?" You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, "So, what was the first movie you worked on with Dick Smith?" He's like, uh, "The Exorcist," and I was like, "All right, so what did you do on The Exorcist?" You know, and him telling me like, you know, that's I, I think it's Rick who's they remember in the girl's stomach in The Exorcist where it's like uh, the sign it says like "Help me" or yeah. something on her stomach. That's like a he was explaining to me how they did that with a hair dryer and all this stuff, and then. One day I would be, and I'm like, all right, so you designed all the creatures in the cantina sequence in Star Wars, right? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, all right, go. <laughs> like, tell me every story. And he would just sit there for five hours and just would tell me everything. And we got this. I was like, all right, it's American Warhol in London. Like, that's the movie. The reason we have a makeup Oscar in it now is because of what you yeah, did that in was American Warhol in London and, and that transformation sequence. And he was like, yeah, you know, I didn't have a crew on that, so I got these kids for this these film students from Houston came and helped me for like no money and they were kind of my crew and we just yeah, we figured that sequence out and I was like, you know, that's like okay. And then one it was like, all right, thriller, you did thriller. How'd you do Michael Jackson's wake up? You know, and he was explaining all this shit to me and it was just I did the clumps. Uh, so did, how many weeks was this with Rick Baker did your makeup? Oh, that was like five it was four or five days, I think. So and the I, fifth day, you're like, so Michael Jackson. Yeah, Michael Jackson, what's up with what that? Do you, what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? What do you, but yeah, I've learned, though, too, is like, it was like I did that with Spielberg, too, because I worked with Spielberg on uh, the BFG, and he's the nicest human being on the planet, and I really talked his ear off. About, I mean, I'd just be like, all right, Jaws, go. You know, yeah. And he was very sweet, and I told Paul Thomas Anderson I did that, and he was like, what? Oh, don't do that to any That's Don't do that to people. <laughs> And then I was like, ah, you're probably right, man. I think I went overboard. Anytime a filmmaker came to SNL, I was just like, I can't. I don't know if you, because you're like, you know, I think that's probably why I love reading, even though I wouldn't know everybody in like Book of Basketball or the Red Sox book. 
I can feel like I've had a kinship of being like just a huge fan of something and just right. like so insanely passionate about something. Do you feel like that when you get, I mean, do you get around like, like, like Larry Bird? Would you just be like, I can't contain myself. I got to ask no, the, you like a billion things. Are you, are you cool? The best one from the last, I don't know, year or so was Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. Cause he came in and Sean did that one with me and yeah. we just had no idea how it was going to go. I had heard from people like you that. He's actually like he's funny. He's a good guy. Oh, he's awesome! Yeah. But then you he's just don't Dodgers know with fan. the filmmakers. And he walked in and he saw the posters on the wall, and he's like, "Gabe Kaplan." I was like, "All right, this is good." Oh, he's the nicest guy in the world. And right? then he really went into like his whole process, and yeah, Ethan Hawke was really good too. About yeah. you know, sometimes when you go through people's careers, some people don't like to go backwards. Yeah. And then other people are like kind of cool with it. And that's then true. other people are like, that's true. I'm ready. Like Ethan Hawke was like, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. That's so true that I've had that where I've gone up to an actor and go, you know what? You were so amazing in this movie. And they'll go, that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, it really moves me. And I, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're like, why are you bringing that up? That was like forever ago. And it's like, like a oh. job that they work for 10 weeks and yeah, then, it's like, then I've that done was shit over. since then. I'm like, no, 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 you have. I'm saying that specific thing affected yeah. me in like a big, you know. But I don't know, key rates that we have to like, I'm learning and I'm 40, but I'm like learning to try to manage my cool a little bit around heroes. It sounds yeah, like you should have a movies podcast for us where you just interview filmmakers and oh, then you and have like just, a real excuse. I, no, I would, they wouldn't come on because I would, they wouldn't be able to speak. I would just be talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I also, when I get nervous, I run at the mouth too. So I, yeah, but I was, uh, no, but he, he's was like the coolest guy ever. What was the big revelation turning 40? Nothing really, man. I just ache in different ways that I didn't ache before. I threw my back out for the first time. Oh, that's stress. Yeah. That's probably being on Barry. I was vacuuming and I went to full core my back. Yeah, stress went injury. Out and I fell down. And my daughters love that. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, but now, you know, I just start to like, yeah, just weird pains or, but also like some, you, you kind of like chill out in a lot of ways too. You kind of like go, okay, cool, you know. Are you fall asleep um, in front of the TV guy at like one o'clock in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Because well, that's when it started for me. When I after I turned forty, I always used to be like night owl up till three in the morning. Oh yeah, I and then I would just that. wake up with the TV on. Of oh yeah, after I did that forty, the other night actually, I'm, I'm because of the podcast you guys did about sports books. I bought a lot of those. So yeah, I was reading breaks of the game right now, and so I watched something like I watched this movie, Women of the Dunes, last night, and then went and read some breaks of the game and pass out. But I'm in bed at like nine <laughs> i'm super <laughs> that's when it's like oh but i've also been shooting barry and it's like i've been on a production schedule basically for the last year so that's like just crazy hours so are you stuff. settling down now i think I, no i think i want to still work i just think i need a break yeah. i don't know how to take a break that's my problem i get very like excited about opportunities or like oh, okay we're gonna write barry i'm gonna chill and then my agent calls me he's like have you seen it yeah well they're doing a t sequel i'm like oh my gosh I gotta be in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's uh, Thunderstruck 2. Yeah, it's like it's all I'm set in Oklahoma in. City. Thunderstruck 2. Guess what? <laughs> do you have any NBA 2. takes for us? Well, do you like the player empowerment era? The what? The player empowerment era? Yeah. I mean, guys just wait, switching what? teams? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I really, I mean, it's because I live in LA and it's like just because it's on my thing, but I do like watching the Clippers just because they are just. Oh, they're so lovable. They're so lo- It's just a bunch of like six men and like yeah. <laughs> just like young dudes and like. The crowd really, I went twice in the last couple weeks. The crowd like loves this team and yeah. it's really weird to hear a Clipper crowd like really like the team. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, it's like. I don't know, man. I just, I like watching the Clipper. I just, that's the kind of basketball I like watching. I always like those strong coach teams. Yeah. Like, I like watching the Spurs because I'm like, oh, okay, there's like this design, you know. Because well, you like directors. Yeah, I think so. I like to see what's happening. Whereas, if, whereas as opposed to like, this is like a crazy free-for-all, you know, I- insanity. Like, I don't know. Like what's happening in Boston. Yeah, what's happening in Boston. Or like what's happening in OKC, you know. It's like, I don't know what's happening I mean, that's kind of off the rails. Has but. LeBron reached out to you as the Lakers season went down in flames? <laughs> hey, man, can we get together? Why weren't you in your huddle? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't rekindled the friendship? No, I haven't seen him since we did all that, but I I love the stuff he used to. I mean, the weird thing, I, mean, I thought Shut Up and Dribble was fucking great. I thought that was awesome, and I liked uh I liked his two change record that he produced. <laughs> and like <laughs> I think I think he's great. And then, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. It just seemed like a weird I don't know. It's I mean, bizarre. I kinda don't care about what happened. I don't like the Lakers. So I was I've never been like the big of a Lakers fan. I was delighted that the Lakers fell apart, but I also think it's weird that we're the LeBron's just not gonna be in the playoffs. That's so that's super weird. And he's still like putting up 29 a game but yeah, so 16 not, not teams make the, the playoffs but he's somehow not on a playoff team. I have a friend I was talking to my dad about that he goes but that's why basketball is great it's not about one guy Bill yeah yeah it, but it's <laughs> true know? and it's like my dad the other night was talking to me we were talking about basketball and he's like see where, where did triple double come from he's like this just came out of nowhere I don't understand this shit right he's like I don't like that. and I think it's like with movies or whatever, you hear your dad's voice. So like, I'll watch the Spurs and I hear my dad's voice going, see how they're running that? See, that's good basketball. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, he's setting picks. Over. See, he's setting picks. The guy's down, he's using his big man. He's, you know, he's like, all, you know. But I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 uh, yeah, but the OKC thing was kind of a, like, just watching that, what's going on there, which I don't understand. And Paul George is hurt, right? It seems like he's hurt. Up. His shoulder's messed up, but he's playing with it. Yeah. So I like knows? watching the Clippers. I mean, I think it's going to be Golden State. I mean, I would like to see it be Houston, personally. But I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. This is the first time we've headed into April, and or we're heading to April, and I don't have a real really? opinion yet. Yeah. So you don't think— uh, I actually think it's really think wide Golden open. State, you don't think Golden State has— Because every time they've had a massive loss, you can always point to, like, well, KD wasn't playing or Steph Curry, right? Not really. The chemistry's off with them. The well, chemistry's off with a bunch of these teams. That is true with, uh, like, reading that New Yorker article about Katie being like, I don't like <laughs> I don't like the media, and I don't, you know, like, it's really intense for those guys. Like, they're really maybe sense. Do you think, like, they're more sensitive to it than past generations? Yes, but I, I also think the league is, like, you're reading breaks of the game now, that Halberstam's just... You know, he's talking to all those guys. There's like four reporters covering the team and there's no yeah. social media and there's yeah. no anything. And those guys are like, yeah, sure, I'll get a stake with you. Yeah. And now these guys are just, they don't trust, they don't trust anyone and, they, and they're constantly being videotaped by everybody that, you know, they're, yeah, they're getting wherever. their lips read by, yeah, they're getting their, <laughs> their lips read by, they can't make a mistake. <laughs> but I, and I also think like, you know, we always talk about how SNL, how the cast is like an NBA team, right? Yeah. How there's a lot of the same dynamics. 
And at some point, I think that things work the same way where in SNL, you got it, you're selling for other people. You want other people to succeed because that makes the whole show look good. Yeah. You're, you're, there's a selflessness to it. Yeah. And once you start undermining that, whether it's SNL or basketball, where it's like LeBron tried to trade half the team. I know. His buddy did. And now yeah. it's like, all right, guys, let's go get him. Yeah, and like, those oh, guys no, are like, fuck, fuck you. you, dude. Yeah. That but was like, a colossal. That was. But bad. imagine on SNL, if you're on SNL and Seth's the head writer, and it came out like Seth tried to trade you and five other guys for these three other guys in this yeah. other show. Yeah, you'd be like. And you'd be like, what the fuck, fuck dude? Yeah. So I, I do, I, I think the dynamics are just different now. Yeah, it seems like you guys just did a thing about the Celtics, too, and all the post-interview stuff with yeah. I mean, and, like, all that stuff is just kind of. Yeah, Basically, nobody should gnarly. talk. Yeah, yeah, everybody should just be quiet. And like, even like you made a good point, like the Russell Westbrook thing. Like, why went to the edit with the editors? We were all like, "Oh, that's rad, right?" That he like, I was like, "Yeah." He told his fan to like fuck off. Who was being saying racial shit to them? And then we watched it, and we we're like, "Oh, he's saying I'm gonna kill you." You have to I'm kill gonna, you I'm and your wife. Fuck you up, and you're like, "Well." And your, wife. <laughs> and your wife and you're like well yeah he's been getting fucked with all day so he can say that you know but then you're like well and i think you weren't you like that's kind of fucked up that he said that, what he yeah said. i was like there's no winners can yeah, we stop no saying winners. like yeah, this was yeah, good there's yeah, like everybody yeah, exactly. loses in this scenario. i was kind of like yeah it is kind of fucked up but i don't know i mean i don't know i i i i uh i it'd be awesome if you stood i just think i just like james harden that's all so i would like i would like i would like houston to it's going to come down happened, to what it always. Right? I agree. It's time for some change. Kyle's, like Kyle's morning today because Rob Gronkowski retired yesterday. Kyle's, he's wearing the jersey. <sighs> <laughs> he's he's going to fulfill his manifest destiny of uh, WrestleMania, hopefully. Oh, good job. Yeah. He'd be perfect, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, he'd be amazing. He would, you think he'd turn heel pretty, pretty fast, I think. I don't know if he would know how to do that. I would like it if he did. I watched that Andre the Giant documentary. I fully cried in the. Oh, I good. Fully cried in that documentary. Good. That, that documentary made me cry. Like when Hulk Hogan explaining the, ma the, the match. Like, the match was like, that's like one of the best moments in any documentary, I think. <laughs> I think that thing is unreal. Thank you. <laughs> that was it. like, I was like, oh man, this is so rough. So, Barry. Is it on demand yet, or it's just going to nah. come on Sunday and then just watch it once a week? It's going to come on Sunday, and you watch it once a week. Aren't you glad it's not all coming out all at once, yeah. and then people binge it, and yeah, nobody no, knows what episode it. is? Yeah, people get mad about that, but I prefer it. You know, I kind of like it that way. I kind of like it. But you, the conversation lasts longer. It lasts for eight weeks as opposed to, like, it comes out all at once, and everyone's like, that was amazing. But I think that my... I'm, my gut is that you're going to be seeing more of that from a lot of these places where everything's going to be coming out all, all at once. It seems. I'll like. tell you who loves it: The Ringer. Oh yeah. Well, because it's it it's an eight about. week conversation yeah. versus a three day conversation. Exactly. You know? But I think most of these kind of binge things. I think I think that's it. Seems like that's where things are headed. But I hope I hope for our show and on HBO at least because that's what's so much fun about you know watching Game of Thrones and yeah. And uh, I talked to Ben things. Stiller about this because he was on last week and I was talking about how I really got into Escape at Danamora. Yeah, it was great. God, he did such a good job. With I that. wouldn't I don't think binging it would have worked as well because no. it was a really deliberate, slow kind of methodical show. Yeah. And I kind of like just having it in my life for 50 minutes each week. Yeah. And then the next week I'll come back. Ah, oh, 
Yeah. Wish there I, was well, more of these. I actually like miss not having the next episode. Well, it's like I'm I've been coming up against this a lot. I read that Beastie Boys book. Did you read yeah. that? Yeah. It's awesome. But those guys, it's kind of the same thing where they're like, well, you, you are now, we're now the like back in my day guys, where it's like we had more patience with certain type of music. Yeah. Because we couldn't flip to the next track or anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? We had much more patience and much more openness, you know, about things. But they weren't down, you know, saying the new stuff's bad or whatever. But it was just like I, I do think it's just the way you're raised. There's just more patience, you know, well, and, with, and like and, and that patience being rewarded. You know? Right. The thing with music that's really changed is you'd have the same album that you would just listen to over and over again. And then, you know, the 20th time, the seventh best song in the album, you'd get a soft spot for. And yeah. then the 25th time, you're like, I fucking like this song. Yeah. And I wonder if that even happens anymore. Yeah, or just the track listing, like, matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, growing up, when I grew up, track listing totally mattered. Like, you, this song has to follow this song, or, you know, or whatever. On an album, there was an art to the way that they laid it out. Well, even... You know? Old, I'm older than you. There was the sides. Was yeah, a big the deal. sides. Was what huge. led the B side of yeah. your album? This yeah. kind of set the tone for the next yeah. part. So now it's just like a big mishmash. But it's um, all right, you know. All right, this is fun. This is fun. Six I don't know how many pods. Right. Yeah, six to eight. Six to eight. Let's ten do a years. Seventh one. Yeah, come on, man. No, you're coming in for the rewatchables. You promise. I'll come in for the rewatchables. When you when you unwind, we'll pick a movie. In two weeks, I'm gonna be kind of done with editing, and I'll be able to like. You can pick any third thing. person you want, anyone right. in your life. I'll bring my friend. I'll bring Kyle and Jeff, my editors, because they're big. They're hilarious. Okay, we'll yeah. do whatever you want. All right, cool, man. I'll set the format. I'll do it. All, All right, right, buddy.